Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for these ladies. And I just pray that um, the words I speak would be edifying and glorifying to you, Father God. And you would um, just make yourself known um, to us in the midst of all this, Lord. We thank you for um, just this wonderful weather, Lord. Um, and we appreciate it. And when it gets warm in the summer, um, be not the first to complain about it, Father. But we thank you for sunshine and a new day in spring. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, well, today's lesson, we're talking about how to love your husband. And um, very interesting, there's only one. Or, when are you married? No. Yeah, right. so, I mean, do you think maybe because they knew you were going to do that? I don't know. Peggy Munt doesn't. She's a widow. Right. <laughs> maybe they just I don't know. Eh. I'm not married. So. I think it's good. Well, <laughs> let's talk to this and we'll, we'll go you from there. You talk to me. I am. I know, Carol. I talk <laughs> to you anyways, right? Teacher knowledge. Yes, well, and that's right. kind of, this is, I mean, and that's what I really felt like too is that, um, you know, there was, there's widows in here, there's divorcees in here, and, um, and some women that are married to, you know, mean men, and, and um, I just, you know, I just think we almost need to apologize as older women that, older women didn't teach the younger women, we didn't teach some of these things, and so we, like I said last week, you know, we want to have a wedding, but we don't want to have a marriage, and, and so we get kind of wrapped up in, in picking guys that are not exactly probably the best pick for us, because we just are so desperate, and um, we don't really see the whole picture of what God's doing in the midst of all that. So, so anyway, so we're going to um, go through here. Um, want to review just for a second from last week about um, about sane women, um, and I love that lesson. I mean, I really that was one that I could kind of hang my hat on and and think about it during the week. Did anybody have anything that triggered for them during the week that they thought of? Or Peggy wasn't here last week, just Wendy. So I'm in politics, so. Um... Oh my goodness! Something that I definitely need because um, my job is so mental. Yeah. Because everyone has this alternative mode of their own agenda, and you don't know their agenda because it's in their head. Exactly. So a lot of times, every day before I go to work, I have to pray. Yeah. And to have my eyes, heart, everything open, so yeah. I can see what he sees. Yeah. Um, right. Or even just to avoid what right. he sees. Right. So Absolutely. To be sane in what I do is ideal. Yeah. And to be grounded and have you know be have a normal day like right a person other than that you'd be stressed out you're trying to figure out everything you can't so um it's yeah. very important yeah <laughs> absolutely wow what do you do what do you do i, mean, I work for council member bradford okay oh um, so it is yes. yeah so it's just people yeah. mm -hmm. he's at large position so basically i deal with constituents from all the way from kingwood to middle eight oh my goodness pasadena all the way to 80 wow so. wow yeah man that's politics is it's a crazy thing i i I worked for Texas Right to Life and Georgia Right to Life um, for several years, and I was fundraising, but, you know, would still go to the Capitol pretty regularly, and, oh, man, I mean, it is crazy. Yes, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It is definitely crazy. <laughs> so, and, I mean, I just, it was great proverbs, great practical stuff to just walk through of what we need to do to be, you know, let's look at the big picture, and what are we, are we personally being saying? And I think the biggest thing is watching our words and, and being patient and going from there. So, anyways, today we want to talk about how to love your husbands, and we're going to actually spend a couple of weeks on this so that people that think they're getting out of it this week can come back next week. So I'd love this, um, this little cute cartoon, and um, Carol, what, can you read that? Because yes. I, I can't read mine. The doctor's telling the wife, your husband is suffering from a very severe stress di disorder. If you don't do the following, he will surely die. Each morning, fix him a healthy breakfast, be pleasant at all times. For lunch, make him a nutritious meal. 
for dinner prepare an especially nice meal. No chores, no nagging. Oh yes, and make love several times a week. Do this for the next year and he'll regain his health completely. All right, and I didn't share it with you guys so you wouldn't get the punchline before then, but the next little frame is the husband turns to the wife and says, so what does the doctor say? And the wife says, you're going to die. (laughs) 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 You're going to die. And And that is so often how we think, and as I think this goes back to when I was teaching about women being the pinnacle creation, is is that really for to love your husband, it is it's not these deep emotional, big, huge, save the world kind of thing. But it is it's humbling ourselves is a huge part of what it is. And um, and none of us like that, and we'll talk about that later on. Again, going back to what I said at first and the fact that um, you know, we don't teach what the Bible says about marriage. We don't teach what the Bible says about wives and um, you know, it's great to listen to Oprah. It's great to listen to Women's Day. It's great to listen to our girlfriends. But what does the Bible say? And um, I remember when I first came, early came to Christ, and um, someone shared um, this verse with me, who we've, we've heard a lot, of course, but it's, um, uh, I mentioned it here, 2 Timothy 3.16. And it says, All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so it was, I love just in that one verse, it does these three things. It tells us what's right, you know, teaching, what's useful for teaching. It tells us what's wrong, rebuking. And it's just a verbal correction. And then it tells us how to get right and how to stay right. And those are all, you know, right there the Bible tells us those three things. What's wrong, what's right, how to get right, and how to stay right. And so if we want to know how to live our lives, then we've got to do it against the Word of God and what does the Bible say. And, um, and, I'm, and I am in a, an errant believer in the Word of God. I'm not an errant. I believe the Bible's an errant. There's no mistakes in this. And um, if it said 5,000 people died, 5,000 people died. Because I can't, how can I question that and then also not question John 3.16 or any of the other principles. And the other thing, too, is that in this, as people have lived out these principles, personally as well as testimonies from other people, their lives are more peaceful. Their lives are more content. Their lives are more satisfied. You know, are they the wealthiest people? Maybe not. Maybe. You know, but that's not the point of it. The principles that are in here are true, and that's what I want to go from. And so that's why I want to teach. It doesn't matter what I say. It matters what the Bible says, and we need to go from that. So first, let's talk about what the purpose of marriage is. And number one, the purpose of marriage is to demonstrate to the world Christ and his bride. We're supposed to show the world Christ and his bride. Ephesians 5, 22 through 27 says this. Let me flip over there. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the, head, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and his name, and, his, and is himself its savior. How the, how, wow. Let me, re, let me try, let me start again. Wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So what, what um, Paul is saying in Ephesians here to the church of Ephesus and to us is saying, look, here's what it is. Wives, you're going to model to the world what the church of Christ needs to model to, to me, to, to the church, and that we submit to that, and we're coming under the submission of the word of God and what comes up uh, under that. 
Now, there's also a husband's part that he's supposed to love his wife as Christ loves the church, but that's not our responsibility, so we're not going to read their lines. We're just going to focus on what our lines are and what we're supposed to be. And that the husband in that same way is supposed to model that. And that's what goes back to, you know, in that all that pre-marriage kind of stuff. When you're dating and you're going through that time, it's like, man, does he really love me as Christ loves the church? You know, does he really willing to lay his life down for me? You know, because it's not going to get, you know, it's not going to get any better. I mean, this is it. This is the best. Whatever we're all, We all are. You know, you're dating, you're on your best behavior, you know? And um, so we need to understand that. So number one, the purpose of marriage is to demonstrate to the world Christ and his bride. Number two is to produce godly offspring. <clears throat> Malachi 2.15. Malachi 2.15 says, Do not, Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God... What was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So we're, we're to produce godly offspring. And marriage, the purpose of marriage is to produce children. I mean, that's part of what it is. And, that we need to, and in that point, godly offspring. I have quite a few friends. Um, three, four. And they're all girls. Um, godly, godly girls um, having different paths of testimonies. But all of them are godly girls. All... Um, Four of these girls, between them they have four, eight, eleven, fourteen children. Ten of those fourteen children were conceived on birth control. I mean, they were taking the pill. Ten of the fourteen were taking the pill. Why? Because God wanted the godly offspring. <laughs> and he knew that if I get these folks pregnant, they're going to produce for me godly offspring. And, um, and I really, I really, you know, and the, this, the youngest one that's pregnant with number three right now, um, I mean, they kind of gave up after number one, actually. You know, once they got pregnant, they knew they would just keep getting pregnant. They might be the Duggars. I mean, they might be the next one with a whole bunch of 10 or 12 kids. But um, she's pregnant with number three right now. And, um, and that's what I told him. I'm like, you know, you're, he knows you're going to give you God the offspring, so I'm going to get you pregnant. And, you know, and I think that's really important, especially as we, you know, in that decision and making the plans, I have another friend who there, um, her, um, her daughter was born very soon after um, uh, they got married. And um, fast forward 30 years, she's working at a ministry and is a very successful job in that position. Um, the, my friend's husband decides to leave her. And she needs a job. She's been a stay-at-home mom for 30 years. She has no experience. And this is 1980. So the last time she worked was the 50s. I mean, so, I mean, that's a huge, I mean, she's, you know, she knows the computer's brown. I mean, that's all she knows, you know. I mean, what is it? And um, her daughter called and said, Mom, you need a job, and I need a temp. Come and work for me. And um, that was 20 years ago. And um, she's still with that ministry. I mean, she's basically the number two person at that ministry. And, um, and it never, if she would have not, if she would have, like, had, the, had Lynn Lee when she had planned to have Lynn Lee, you know, Lynn Lee wouldn't have been 30 years old, out of college, being successful. I mean, God sees that plan in the future. And we think, man, it really stinks to have kids this early. But God sees 30 years down the road that, man, you need your child out or someone's sick or, you know, we need, I need the connection of those kind of things. And so godly offspring is what we need to 
provide for them. And then the third thing, that the purpose of marriage is companionship. Genesis 2, the whole reason women were created, not the whole reason, but the purpose the Lord gave, which, you know, we talked about this before, Genesis 2, 18 through 20. Um, then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. And I just have always found that amazingly interesting that God saw a need. Man's alone. It's not good that man's alone. He chose to not meet it in himself. You know, he didn't say, I'm going to provide that. I mean, he wants relationship. And so in that, he says this, um, I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he could call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and the birds of the heaven and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So then God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. While he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with the flesh. So God said, look, you, it's not good that man, man's alone. So I'm going to create a helpmate. Someone to come alongside, a helper that's fit for them. Hey, Jennifer, good morning. And, um, and, and he did. And in that, he created women. And so the purpose of marriage is for companionship. And, um, and that's okay, too, you know? And, um, you know, I think of, uh, I mean, how many, I just read recently about somebody who they'd been married 20 years, and they got divorced. And I thought, you know, they lost the companionship. Kids are gone out of the house, and um, now they're not friends, and they're just roommates. And how do we, you know, press on and, and get on the other side of that? And so, um, you know, in that sense, we need to understand the purpose of marriage and, and what it's about. And I think even those three things, you know, if we were to talk to our girlfriends or those who aren't married and say, look, this is what the purpose of the marriage is, you know, is to show Christ, show the world Christ and his bride. We're supposed to provide God, produce godly offspring, and we're supposed to be about companionship. Man, that's going to totally change who you're going to marry and who you're dating and what it's going to look like. Or I'd hope that would be um, how that would work. So um, I'll go back. Jennifer, do you want me to give you fill in your blanks? If you want. So, um, but uh, I think the first one's what's right, what's wrong, how to get right, and how to stay right. And then uh, demonstrate to the world, I don't know what the blank is, demonstrate to the world Christ and his bride, um, produce godly offspring, and then companionship. Okay, so that's the purpose of marriage. And the whole point of what we want to talk about today, the rest of what we want to talk about, is loving your husband. How do we do that? How do we love our husband? Um, I looked up the Greek again, and I was really surprised at what the Greek word does. It's made up of two words. Um, philandero is, I guess, how you say that. And it's made up of philo and anor. Anyways, I probably ruined that. But anyways, it's friend. To be friendly, to wish somebody well. I mean, so often I was, I was getting my toes done, and I ruined my experience. And I didn't really, I've still struggled through this. I've talked to care. I think I have to go to counseling for it. Because someone came in after, you know, I was, and it was, a, it was a full deluxe, you know, someone gave me a gift certificate, paraffin wax on the feet. I mean, it was a huge, you know, it was, somebody came in, and she had such a critical spirit. And she complained to everybody in the place about her daughter, about her husband, 
But the big thing was about her husband, and I thought about this, about being, he, she's not wishing him well. She's not wishing him well. And it, I did not, I mean, I was really, it stole my joy. I mean, I just will admit, I, I was like, I just wanted to get out of there. I didn't want to listen to it, and because I knew that I couldn't say anything and be appropriate, you know, and, and what would kind of be the point and fit pearls before swine and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but man, she did not wish her husband well. And, um, and if we can sometimes even just get that mindset, man, I want to wish him well. I want to wish him well. And instead of when the garage, hear the garage door opening and he's pulling into the parking, you know, into the garage, you're saying, ah, oh, my day's ruined. As opposed to thinking, okay, how can I wish him well? How can I wish him well? You know, Carol is blessed because how many, it's 12 years or 14 years that Johnny's had stayed. It was 12 years last October. Um, you know, they're having to live knowing that tomorrow could be the last, not necessarily tomorrow, but that, you know, a death sentence is close. And we all have death sentences, but for them, when you get the, you know, been told 12 to 18 months, your husband's going to die. Um, that was, of course, 12 years ago, but, I mean, he's, but it's forced Carol to, um, you know, be more mindful about how can I wish my husband well? How can I wish my husband well? And she tells the story about picking up the newspaper and bringing it upstairs to him, and, and that's um, a special thing. So, so how does it, how do we, what does it look like, and how do we make all this happen? I printed for you because I thought it was, um, it just is a great verse to grab a hold of, or a series of verse to grab a hold of, and that's the amplified version of, of this verse from 1 Peter 2, 18 through 3, 6. And um, I just want to read through that, and then we'll talk to it in a little bit. Um, you who are household servants, and we don't need to get too high and mighty. If you're married, you're a household servant. I mean, that's, I mean, you're wash, doing laundry, and you're doing the dishes, and, you're, and the husband might come alongside and help you with that. But primary responsibility, 99.9% .9 of the time, falls on the wife to make sure those things are done. And... Um, this is what it says. Be submissive to your masters with all proper respect, not only those who are kind and considerate and reasonable, but also to those who are surly, overbearing, unjust, and crooked. For one is regarded favorably, is approved, accepted, and thankworthy, if, as in the sight of God, he endures the pain of unjust suffering. After all, what kind of glory is there in it if, when you do wrong and are punished for it, you take it all patiently? But if you bear patiently when suffering, with res which results when you do right, and that is undeserved, it's acceptable and pleasing to God. For even to this you are called. It's inseparable from your vocation. And then it says, look, Christ did the same thing. For Christ also suffered for you, leaving you his personal example, so that you should follow in his footsteps. He was guilty of no sin, neither was deceit, guile ever found on his lips. When he was reviled and insulted, he did not revile or offer insult in return. When he was abused and suffered, he made no threats of vengeance. But he trusted himself and everything to him who judges fairly. He personally bore our sins in his own body, on the tree, as an altar, and offered himself on it that we might die, cease to exist to sin, and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were going astray like so many sheep. But now you've come back to the shepherd and guardian, the bishop of your souls. There is an unfortunate chapter break right here. Because it says, in like manner. 
And that's 3-1. So often when it says in like manner, we don't look back and see what that like manner, in like manner. Well, in the same manner as Christ and as the household servant. Wives, submit yourself to your husband. And I think it's interesting, be submissive to your own husbands. And I think that's important. You know, because <laughs> well, if I was married to him, to it's so much easier to be submitted to him. Well, if I was married to him, it'd be easy for me to do that. But be submissive to your own husbands. Subordinate yourself as being secondary to and dependent on them, and adapt yourself to them, so that even if any do not obey the word of God, they may be won over not by discussion <laughs> slash nagging, but by the godly lives of their wives when they observe the pure and modest way in which you conduct yourself together with your reverence for your husband. You ought to fill for him all that reverence includes to respect, defer, revere him, to honor, esteem, prize, and in the human sense to adore him. That is to admire, praise, be devoted to, deeply love, and enjoy your husband. Let not yours be merely external adorning with elaborate interweaving and knotting of the hair, the wearing of jewelry or change of clothes, but let it be an inward adorning of beauty of the hidden person of the heart, which the incor- with the incorruptible and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit, which is not anxious or wrought up, but is very precious in the sight of God. For as thus the pious women of old who helped, hoped in God were accustomed to beautifying themselves and were submissive to their husbands, Adapting themselves as, adapting themselves to them as themselves secondary and dependent upon them. It was thus that Sarah obeyed Abraham, following his guidance and acknowledging his headship over her by calling him Lord, Master, Leader, Authority. And you are now her true daughters if you do right and let nothing terrify you, not giving way to hysterical fears or letting anxieties unnerve you. Wow. That's what it's supposed to look like. Um... Is it impossible? Yeah. It's impossible. Apart from Christ. But man, if you live your life like this as wives, and we learn how to live our lives like this as wives, the world will see what the church is and what Christ is. And so let's walk through some of these things. The very first thing I think we needed to is, number one, is we need to bear patiently with suffering. Bear patiently with suffering. And I know that it's true that... that um, you know, there are mean men out there. There's mean women too, but I'm not dealing with that. But there's mean men out there. And, um, and sometimes we're going to be accused unjustly. And, um, and I am not at all in any way, if there's any physical abuse, if there's any Ill- illegal, I mean, if he's beating you up, that's, you know, you p- get the authorities involved in that. Number one, first, the church. Don't call the police unless, I mean, you're bleeding, you know. But call pastor. Call the counseling center. Call Eric Reed, a minister to men. I mean, we need the church to do their part as well as legal, and then let them come in. Because the church needs to be the covering. Because in that point, you're a widow, and that's a whole nother lesson, a whole nother story. Then at that point, of course, we're going to call in legal authorities to arrest and persecute or prosecute or whatever needs to be the next step. But we need to also involve the church involved in what's going on there. But we need to pay, bear, but let's just beside that. He just never puts the lid on the toothpaste. He doesn't put the lid down on the toilet seat. I mean, he doesn't put his laundry in the basket. I mean, because that really, for most people, a lot of that's what's the stuff that we needed, that we're just suffering under, you know, and, um, and we need to bear patiently with those sufferings. And, and when, even if a man's not mean, they're men, <laughs> you know, and they're more gruff than us, and, you know, they get, uh, they flare up quick, 
you know, yep. and then they're so sorry, and we get hurt, and sometimes don't talk, you know, for weeks, <laughs> they don't notice. <laughs> <laughs> And then they ask you, is, is something wrong? We're like, yeah. no, 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 nothing is wrong. <laughs> and then they, then they believe us. And they We're just, just go, so up. different. We are so different. so different. And it's true, I think, those of us that work with men, you know, like men can be in a meeting and just like rip into one another, yeah. arguing over how something should be done. And then they walk out of the room and it's like, hey, you want to go to lunch? You know, I mean, it's like, and yeah. there's no, yeah. you know. And and we're all yeah. And women, if that was to happen at a meeting, never speak to each other. Oh yeah, we won't yeah. speak to each other. And oh yeah, that relationship. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Instead of so, anyways, bear patiently with suffering, which is um, which is very very difficult. But I think it applies whether we're married or not. You know, and man, when we can turn that other cheek, and um, somebody else can see how you're responding well in that situation, and especially when it's unjust. And it's unjust. Bear up under that. Number two, and I think this is so important, do not return insult with insult. Do not return insult with insult. Um, you know, it's like when we fight all the time. You hear this. We fight all the time. Well, it's like there's two of you fighting. What if you just quit hitting the tennis ball back? You know, he does a lob over there that you know he's giving it to you just to give you a jab to get you started on whatever. And it's like, just don't respond back. Don't get wild up. Don't insult back. Don't, you know, um, I mean, I do it. Not, I'm not even married, but I do it. You know, I get mad at somebody and all day long I think about how I'm going to respond back when, you know, we talk on the phone. <laughs> you know, we like have a whole, I have a fight in my head, the whole conversation in my head. You know, and so in that same way, let's just not revile back. Let's just not insult back. If someone's rude to you, let's not just be rude back. Just quit hitting the tennis ball back and, um, and just take it. Just take it. Tough, 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 tough. But this is what's so sweet. When you're doing that, and this goes up to, I don't have my verses on here, but it's back up there in the second paragraph where Jesus is saying, hey, I'm not going to revile back. He's not going to insult back. Um, he's gonna, not going to make any th threats. But he entrusted himself and everything to him who judges fairly. So we need to entrust ourselves to the one who is faithful. So when those things happen, when they revile back, when they insult, when they're rude to us, when you say, Lord, this ain't right. And this goes on to the next one, one other one, tattling to Jesus. But that's, when it's, that's what we need to do. Is just say, I'm entrusting you, Lord. You know, my self-worth is not wrapped up in... In this situation, my self-worth is wrapped up in who you are. It's not worth the fight. I'm just going to turn the other cheek. You know I'm right. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it's okay if she doesn't know I'm right because in the long run it's going to come out that I'm right or he's right. I mean, that you know, I'm right and I don't have to prove to him. You know, you're going to prove that and I'm going to trust myself instead of trying to always fight to get our rights, always fight to get our way and then trust yourself that it's faithful. And in some of the, like in a marriage situation, um, I... Um, friend of mine is really struggling with her husband, their days off um, happen to be during the week, that the only times they're both off. And, and the husband wants to just, you know, have a lazy day around the house. And the wife wants to do the, the list and's already planned out what we're going to do today. And, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is, it's not working well. <laughs> it's not, how's that working for you? And, you know, and, um, 
And it just really, it's like, you know, you just need to, you need to pull up next to the sofa on him and entrust yourself to him who is faithful. You know, if the house isn't on fire, it is okay that the back bedroom is not painted whatever color you want it to be. You know, I mean, play the tape to the end. You can nag and nag and nag and nag, and either he's going to leave you or you're just going to have total bitterness and, and unrest in the house all the time. And what's that going to do for your kids? But what if he does leave you? And then what are you doing? You know, so then you're doing all the chores by yourself anyways. And now you got, you know, if you even have days off. I mean, play the tape to the end. And so, so and, you've, and this is where the key is. You've got to say, well, Lord, I'm trusting you because I'm doing what Scripture tells me to do. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do as a wife. And I'm entrusting myself to you, Lord. And if the house gets foreclosed or the cars get sold, I mean, the cars get repoed or the back door doorknob falls off, I mean, I'm trusting you, Lord, you're going to take care of me because I'm entrusting to you who's faithful. And, um, and I'm telling you, for the, and that's why, you know, I'm 45 years old, never married. You know, and I think really honestly part of that is because God protected me for so long because I think I probably would have been married and divorced about 12 times between now and then. If, you know, I'm just telling you, I mean, it just totally is total protection because I would have, you know, before Christ I would have made stupid, stupid choices and would have pushed on through it. But on the other side, um, there is a level of, um, for me, um, the biggest time that I want to be married so often is when I have major decisions that I need to make. And there's nobody to help me make those decisions, you know. And entrusting myself to him who's faithful is, is where it needs to come down. So I'm having to do it anyways, you know. So part of that. The next thing is submit to your husband. And that's right in verse 1 of chapter 3. In like manner, you're mar- you married women, be submissive to your husbands. Subordinate yourselves as being secondary to and dependent on them and adapt yourself to them. This goes back to deferring. I mean, this goes totally back to when we were talking about deference and how do we do that. And, um, and we need to submit ourselves to our husbands and allow him to lead in that situation. The next thing, and this goes back to tattling on Jesus. Instead of nagging to him, and that's what it talks about in, um, you know, where they'll be won over not by discussion but by the godly lives of the wives when they observe the pure and modest way in which you conduct yourself. Because they're not perfect. We're not perfect, and they're not going to be perfect. But we don't need to tell him all about it. Tattle to Jesus. You know, Lord, he's not, you know, Lord, this is important to me. This is important to me. And what's so amazing is that, and I've seen it happen again and again in the women that I've counseled, you know, they've gone 10, 15 years doing it their way. And, I mean, just got a mess, you know, and just, they're not going to divorce because, you know, they're, they're like, well, I can't divorce him because, you know, I'm not going to let that happen because it's, it's, there's no grounds for that. There's, he doesn't beat me up or anything like that. My life is just going to be miserable. I mean, that's just kind of, you just kind of succumb to that. I'm just going to be miserable. My life's going to be miserable. And that's how they were, how far they were in the marriage. And the husband felt the same way, too. And, um, and she started kind of living these things out. And I remember when I read this scripture to her, read these verses to her, I mean, she just... I mean, she sobbed because she said, there is no way I can do this. This will never happen. I mean, there is no way. You're dying. You're dying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's going to die, and I'm just going to... But, but you get to that point where my life's... It's, my life's miserable anyways. I might as well be miserable trying to do righteous things than, than miserable not. And so she started walking these things out. And th- th- that was three years ago. And their marriage, 360. Or 180. Not 360, 180. Totally turned around. And things like 
for example, she's one that, I mean, she's on the other side of it. It's the same thing. Her husband wants to sit on the sofa, you know, and not do any of the chores, and she wants to do the chores. Or he'll start a project and get half of it done, and he never finishes it. And, <laughs> and so, so they're sitting in the living room. Well, that's what the, every couple did. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot. It, it, one way or the other, because yeah. you're going you're gonna to be opposite. So, and that's good in some ways, because you know what? Some of us that have the to-do list, we need to sit down and just sit on the sofa and not be so freaked out because the baseboard is not back up on the living room. You know, it's okay. Or it hasn't been painted yet. It's up, but it hasn't been painted. You know, just sit on the sofa and rest. This week, they, um, my uh, friend sent me an email because it was one of those nights that she knew her husband wanted just to sit on the sofa and not do anything. And I mean, it's like right after dinner, kitchen is a mess. We haven't cleaned up the kitchen. But she sat on the sofa, and she was fine. She'd finally gotten, to the, she'd gotten past the point that she was just enjoying the time. And it took about 20 times of doing this, but she finally got the point. She just sat on the sofa, enjoyed the time, and, and um, got the, you know, sat for a couple hours and, I don't know, watched TV or visited or whatever, and then put the kids down, and, and then she went on to bed because she was tired and her husband was going to stay up. And she went, she went to sleep, but not begrudgingly, not angry, not mad. She was thinking as she was falling asleep. Well, when I get up in the morning before I do this and this, I need to clean up the kitchen and, you know, do those kind of things. She got up, she woke up, and um, she hears her coffee brewing in the kitchen, you know, at 5 o'clock or whatever time she gets up. She goes into the kitchen. Her husband has cleaned the kitchen, has wiped off the counters, has swept the floor, and has made coffee for, you know, set up the coffee pot so that in the morning her coffee would be ready and brewing. Now, that is not at all, and she didn't nag him, but right there, this is what happened. By her chaste and reverent behavior, he was won over. He was won over, and she loved him with his love languages, and she, he turned around and loved her. Now, is the baseboard still out, you know, in the, on the basement somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but that's, you know, it's, it's not worth but it. That probably meant more to her than a dozen oh, roses or yeah, anything exactly. he could have done. Could have done. Because it's not, it's not his regular behavior. No, it's not. It's not his regular behavior. And he, and he came out, and they, she lovingly sat with him on the sofa, and he lovingly did that for her, and it wasn't a nag, and it wasn't a demand, and, and um, it's possible. It is possible, because there was plenty of times she sat on the sofa and she tattled to Jesus, I think whatever point we're on. She tattled Jesus, you know, the board's not done, you know, and um, it's a good opportunity for prayer as you go down there. Okay, I think the next point might be reverence. Did we get title of Jesus? Where are we at? Yeah. Reverence your husband. Submit to your husband, title of Jesus, and then reverence your husband. And that's the very bottom of that first chapter, first paragraph about 1 Peter 3. Um, okay, now I want to ask you a question. Sure. Was it a bad thing for her to just do the panel, uh, the bank board? She can't. I mean, her. Th no, it wouldn't be a bad thing. It just depends on... No, I'm just saying. Would it have been a bad thing if she just... Uh, if she could have. If she could have, it wouldn't have been as long as it wouldn't have, like, busted on his manhood. That would be the kind of thing. Yeah, just do it and just leave it alone. I'm yeah. Saying. Yeah. And then I'm, you see it and you say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, I did it a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, yes, it just depends on if he's going to, like, if he's going to get bowed up and say, well, that was my job, I should have done that. It goes into, it oh. goes to communication. <laughs> and it could be just, hey, hon, I'm going to go and do the, you know, or hon, why don't we do the baseboard this week or whatever, you know, it's communication. And some of them are going to get all bowed up that, you know, I was going to do that, or if it's not perfect, there's more issues than, than that. You know, I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, because my dad's the same way. It's like, he, he's going to do it, but he's going to do it when he gets ready. When he, when he gets ready. Yeah, to. it may be 
10 years, 10 years. it's going to get done. It's going to, yeah. <laughs> so leave exactly. Me alone. Yeah, exactly. And and sometimes it's amazing if we don't nag or don't complain, mm -hmm. he'll do it even mm -hmm. faster. Because they'll, even, you know, even their personality might be laid back. Man, they're going to get bowed up. And it's like, I'm going to do it when I want to do it. Because yeah. we do the same thing. Yeah. We'll do the exact same thing. Exactly. But there, but as you, if you've, the, the script, there's a proverb that says, um, a brother offended is harder to be won over than a fortified city. And when we've gone 5, 10, 15, 20 years in a, in a marriage, and we've just been at odds for all that time, we've offended, we've offended, we've offended, um, it is, um, the, um, it is, it's hard to be won over. It's hard to win that person over. So one act, one time sitting on the sofa, is not going to make her husband want to make coffee for him the next morning. There's going to be, we've got to do restoration on both sides. On both sides. And, and there was restoration on those both sides. So in that same way, if um, you've got to have that communication to be able to sit down and say, you know, a year down the road, hey, why don't we do the baseboards today? That doesn't mean that you always sit on the soap every time, you know? Yeah. Honey, can we do the baseboards today? Okay, sure. Because lots of times, sometimes it is that, where it's just like, we haven't done those right. kind of things, but why didn't you do the Why didn't you do the exactly? Why didn't you do the right? You didn't do any stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm doing? Yeah, today? exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah, and so, so it is communication is the key of sitting there and talking about it, not having these conversations. So you start at it mad. You know, you walk in the door and you see these things aren't done. And you're like, well, why didn't? Why didn't you? You have no idea that the kid threw up three times. You know, the dog ran away. You know. Instead of just saying, you know, hey, you know, so it's 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 attitude and it's that's a big part of it. And I think this is the key, and this is the big thing for my friend Carrie that changed is on this together reverencing your husband. And it says, together with your reverence for your husband, you are to feel for him all that reverence includes. So you're supposed to feel these things, not just do these things. Respect, defer to, revere him, honor, esteem, appreciate, prize, and in the human sense to adore him. That is to admire, praise, be devoted to, deeply love, and enjoy your husband. I mean, I mean, sobbing. My friend Carrie is saying, I will never enjoy my husband. I mean, she never thought that could be possible. They could get back to that point, you know, flashback when they were, because they've been together since they were seven, she was 17 and he's 19. You know, flashback that 20, 20, 20 years ago of when, you know, your, your heart pitter-patter on that first date kind of thing and all those kind of things. How could I ever get to the point of enjoying my husband after he's, Offended me, offended me, offended me, offended me. And here they are, fast forward 20 years later. They do enjoy it. I went on a date, like, date night last night talking about that. But and they, he, she had to rebuild a lot of things. And what she had to do was be intentional. And the biggest thing I, and I say, and I wish somebody else that's in our class, I'm kind of working this through. The biggest thing is to think of 30 or 31 things that you can do to show your husband that you adore him, that you revere him, that you esteem him. I mean, whether it's a note, whether it's a phone call, whether it's, you know, my friend, another friend of mine, husband, he just, oh, please always have socks, you know, my white door, underwear, socks, and t-shirts, make sure I always have those in my, you know, that's all I need, you know, pick up my dry cleaning, little things like that, I have another friend of mine, her husband loves lemon, uh, lemon meringue pie, and he, he traveled a lot, and, um, and she would, you know, once a month, I mean, calendar it out. She would plan it of, okay, I'm going to make a lemon meringue pie. And so he comes home late at night, and she's gone to bed, and, you know, they kind of communicated with a cup and a note, you know, on the kitchen counter. And there it says, you know, check out the fridge, smiley face. And he opens the fridge, and there's a lemon meringue pie. 
and it pleases him. And it shows, okay, I adore you. Part of it is just, here's the other thing. Some of it is just, we just need to quit talking about it. Quit talking about how mean and yucky and surly. And Tell Jesus, tell one older woman that you can vent to. That's it. You know, we don't need to tell everybody at the nail salon what a loser you marry. I'm like, who picked this guy? <laughs> Holy smokes. Good night. You know, and that's sometimes I've been known to do that too. They'll go on and on and on and on and on with valid things that are bothersome and yucky and all that stuff. And so I say, well, gosh, who picked this guy? You know, now you know, we got him. And marriage is just like heavenly sandpaper. <laughs> it really uh, it builds our character when we don't act like we want to act. <laughs> Yesterday I went to a wedding and I stopped by the grocery store on the way back and got everything I thought we needed. And on the way home, I uh, just left the grocery store like five minutes. was almost home. My husband calls and said, are you going anywhere near a store? And I said, uh, well, I could. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to say, I just <laughs> left the store. I said, well, I could. And he had a list, because he's been sick since chemo Thursday, of things he never, ever eats. He wanted tomato soup. He wanted celery, baked carrots, <laughs> ranch dressing, and things he never right. eats. And so I remember there was a food fair that I've never been in, and I said, well, I'll, I'll get it and bring it home. Seems like there was one other thing. But anyway, I was. I, he wanted celery cut into strips, you know, like you Already to, yeah, yeah. fancy stores. <laughs> food fair just had stock of celery, like $1.89. Dave ruined 
for me and for him. Yeah. Ruin. Right. Hello. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Girls, thank you. Good to see you, Martha. Excellent one. Excellent. Excellent. Time change or, yeah. Yeah, we're glad you're here. <laughs> that I want to do about um, loving your husbands, but um, let me pray, and then, and then we'll go. Father, we love you, and we thank you for, for today, and Lord, I thank you for these ladies that are here. Father, um, let us pray that uh, pastor's words would speak to our hearts, Father God, and Lord, I just pray that, you know, what I share today, and um, as we go back and just personally look at these words and, and what the scripture says and what it wants to teach us about, about marriages, Father God, that you would um, show yourself in the midst of those things, Lord, and that we would... Um, walk it out in just an amazing and a profound way, Father God. We thank you for who you are and, um, and what you're going to do in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask any special prayer requests this week. Jennifer is on spring break, right? Woo! Are you spring breaking too? Or are you? Well, we'll Oh, perfect. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Spring break. Break. Um, 